Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as the Other Kind Radio Talk Radio. The other today is June 8th, and this is episode 89. 11 away from 100. I'm getting excited about it. For those kind listeners, remember that I made a promise, a challenge to myself to. Run a 10K before we hit uh, 100 episodes. I haven't forgotten. I've still let you down. Operation 10K is in its same status. Uh, in progress. <laughs> the Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff uh, ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'll be uh, one of your hosts today. Todd will be on shortly. Quick reminder that uh, today's episode is being broadcast live on Twitch. You can watch past broadcasts and this broadcast if you go to http forward slash forward slash twitch.tv forward slash hectos, H-E-C-T-O-S, or you can just go to twitch.tv and search for hectos and it'll bring up my channel. So, uh, well, we're hoping for a successful second episode on Twitch uh, if you're a returning kind listener, welcome back to the program. We hope you're safe, practicing social distancing and being kind to others. There's a lot that's going on in the country right now uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, it's hard to turn on any kind of news or media right now without um, seeing a lot of brave people out doing things to make some change. Uh, I, for one, am very excited to see people taking a stand and um very interested to see where uh what kind of changes this this brings about um but as the kind listener knows and for new listeners you know we we try to take a little bit of a break from all that here on the other kind radio uh give you a little break from from all those headlines and uh just give you some some pop culture news and tidbits to walk into the week with so uh we're glad you're here and uh we're going to try to give you the best show we can possible with all that's uh, going on around us. All right. With that being said, first time listeners, congratulated on finding us among the plethora of podcasts that are out there. Todd and I are glad you're here. We would uh, love to hear how you found out about the other kind radio. Um, my father made a very good point. We announced last week that we have a phone number you can call in and leave a message for us. And I failed to include that in notes and or any of the title for the podcast. So if you just listened and didn't have a pen and paper, it was hard to uh, remember that phone number. So I'm going to make sure that that's included this time and uh, everybody has that number. We did get a few calls this past week, but everybody, I think, is a little shy. Nobody left a message. So uh, if you'd like to do so and tell us how you found the other kind radio you can email us at info at the other kind radio.com that's info at the other kind radio.com or give us a call 
uh, on the Other Kind Radio Hotline, 214-843-1149. That's 214-843-1149. We encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe to the Other Kind Radio. Uh, most of your podcast applications will have some type of plus sign or subscription button to hit. If you do that, like us, subscribe to The Other Kind Radio. What it does is it feeds an algorithm that uh, exists out there that keeps the podcast universe spinning in our show and its gravitational pull. So uh, feel free to do so. We would appreciate it. This episode of The Other Kind Radio is brought to you by Pub 134. Pub 134 is located in Maple Village at 90th and Maple right here in Omaha. Now, I uh, did talk to Nick this past week. They are open. We did have a few days where we had a curfew in place that has since been lifted, so their bar hours are returning back to normal. Feel free to follow them on Instagram, Pub134Omaha, for updates on specials, hours, anything else. Uh, it's a great place to go. Nice and relaxed and chill. Uh, Pub134, head on in there. Nick's the big tall guy. Or should I say Nick's the big tall bald guy. Sorry, Nick. Uh, go in there, shake his hand, or do a social distancing fist bump or whatever you're practicing. Tell him the other kind of radio sing. Pub134, check him out. All right, this week on the other kind of radio, Todd's take on... The re-release and improved version of Jaws 4K. Jeff's Judgment on Ozark Season 3 in the Green Room, uh, which is our new segment kind of before we get to center stage. We're going to talk about the King of Staten Island release, which comes out on Friday. We failed to... We ran out of time last week, so we're, this week we're going to talk about the Flower of the Moon, which is... Uh, sorry, Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Leonardo DiCaprio movie. And then on center stage, we decided to move what we thought would be a uh, good topic for the green room to the center stage. Might be a little longer uh, discussion than I originally thought. We're going to talk about streaming services comparison. And to still visit that Vox uh, article. It kind of uh, goes over all of the different uh, type of streaming services out there as we all have... Uh, somewhat of more time to uh, to absorb some of the uh, shows and, and streaming services that are out there. So that should be interesting. All right, once again, I've managed ooh, eight minutes this week, although the first minute was uh, just silent, so seven minutes. Well, let's get to the real uh, meat of the program here. Let's welcome on my podcast partner, for those of you who have been listening for uh, 89 episodes, you uh, might want to uh, see if you can remember his intro and say it along with me. We'll do it in three, two, one. He is a family generator, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, and all-around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great state of Texas and delivering the pop culture significance of the 80, number 89. Please welcome Todd. <laughs> To be a Renaissance man, does that mean I have to go to Renaissance Fair? No. God, I hate <laughs> Renaissance Fair. I hate really? that stuff. Hey, if you like it in the world, that's your gig. I do not want to get in your way, but... Um, I've never been. You know, as as Faye would have it, I had a, a girl that I was madly in love with before I eventually 
married my wife. Right. Um, we're and she wanted to go and we're driving down through downtown Dallas and one of those horrific thunderstorms that you get, you know, in the Midwest to the South starts just all of a sudden materializing and pulling through and we went, okay, we can't go. And I've always used that as a sign that I should never, ever go. I just, there's something about somebody walking up and hello, you know, <laughs> wearing some outfit. It's just not my gig. I'm writing all of that down. Todd's Every time you nightmare. Ever Renaissance man, I'm like, don't make me go there. Todd's nightmare Scarborough is. <laughs> I am not going to Scarborough Fair, Simon and Garfunkel. Thank you. I, you know, all I know about those is, is everybody has a giant leg of turkey, right? You go in, you pay your five bucks and you get a big, big turkey leg. Is that accurate? I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's nothing but excuse to sell turkey legs. I am minimalist, Jeff. So <laughs> I got to break I, it I, down. I was laughing because I thought that may be your best minimalist <laughs> approach ever. I'm sorry. They, they have all these different things. They just sell turkey legs. Yes. It's a very uh, fantasy-driven type of social event. And, and, and I'm sorry, you said you went? How many? You've been once or twice? No. No, we, we were literally, you know, at that time, I did not live in Dallas. I, I grew up just north of here and we were driving, you know, I think we'd driven maybe 45, 50 miles and oh. all of a sudden that storm materialized and we're okay. like, not going to go. And <laughs> we never went and I've never been again. And I, again, like I said, when storm clouds appear on the horizon, you just don't go. Right. All right. Well, maybe, hey, if you're a other kind listener that likes to go and do that kind of stuff give us a well, call write us an email I, i've never been and and i have to say i agree with you uh i also dated somebody at one point that was interested in that and to me it was the biggest like no i, I no, no. <laughs> well all i could think while i told this story is jeff did tell me we got an email or something from someone who told me i need to lighten up on michael bay well <laughs> to prove my point that i'm right about renaissance fairs and michael bay the other night pearl harbor was on and i actually forced myself to stay up till almost three in the morning and watch a michael bay film and i'm right he is terrible all right well, uh, see, you know, hey, whoever that was hey, do you remember who that was that said that about me yes it's uh the sweet person that i met when i was in san antonio she is a student at NYU. Um, she's uh, working at uh, uh, PBS right now in New York and working on a project. Um, uh, and her name is, oh, good Lord. She's going to be laughing now. Please be laughing. Don't be mad. Um, <laughs> I laughed for her. Her laugh's probably not it's, quite. Her name is spelled A-D-E-L-A-I-D-A. Okay, I, because I'm I not did good it, at pronouncing after it's been spelled. I, she's she's probably gonna. I don't, yeah, but she 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 wrote an email uh, talking about a few things, and she her last statement was you know tell Todd to lay off Michael Bay. Um, so, you know what I think about Michael Michael Bay is what Ridley Scott would be if if Ridley Scott didn't understand storytelling. Well, and a further tease, last week I told you I had a story that involved Kuba Gooding, Ben mm -hmm. Affleck, and Kate Winslet. That's right. The second clue, before I get into that story, is it has something to do with the movie Pearl Harbor. So let me just say this. 
Michael Bay's films look beautiful. And the reason those are present of mine is because the Island was on not long ago with, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. I want to like that movie. It's a very interesting concept to me. It's beautifully shot. It's terribly executed because the characters are just flimsy, flimsy all over the place. And when I'm watching Pearl Harbor and it gets to the, you want to talk about, slap me upside the face after the two guys. And there are documented truths of, of a few pilots launching after the attack and taking a few planes down, but they land and someone says, you're a hell of a pilot who shot you, who taught you how to fly. And uh, what's his name points to Ben Affleck and goes, he did. Oh my God. I literally felt the vomit come up in my mouth. It, a good director should say, cut that line. That's terrible. That is terrible. That that's your job is to direct. So if she likes him, I, I, I champion you. I think there are a lot of better directors out there with the visual flair that, Hey, re- reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. And let's say, let's find some people with visual flair. You obviously like that. Let's just find you somebody that's a better storyteller. Anyway, sorry. I, I digress. <laughs> that's it's not a problem. Um, yeah, I did. I, I did not have much time this past week to really kind of dive into that. So thank you for doing that. And it's ID. I can't. I'm not even going to try. I'm such a horrible host. Damn it. Well, and I don't do this to throw Jeff under the bus. I mean, that's that's always one of those things where you talk to people and you when you're in the moment and they say their name, it's you can say it back. But when you look at it in spelling, you're like, what? Right. Yeah. Unless you have a name like Jeff. (laughs) Yes. Which is also that was minimalist Todd there. Which yes, good job. And you know, Jeff also sounds like idiot sometimes. So I'll go with that. All right, Uh, let's go ahead and get into because we've got quite a bit to talk about this. Let's go ahead and get into. uh, Oh, that's right. I'm about to forget. Thank you, Todd, and to the people watching on Twitch. That's how Todd reminds me to stay on topic. Todd, what's the uh, pop pop culture significance of the number eighty nine? Well, Jeff, you know, I can't do a podcast without telling you that 89 is a natural number following 88 and preceding 90. That, my friends, is why I do this podcast. That's right. say that. But 89 also has a few other things. And by God, Wikipedia this week actually gives me some pop culture significance that Ooh. I don't have to research. In rugby, the number 89 is a move as a phase that follows a scrum in which the number eight catches the ball and transfers it to the number nine. I have no idea what that means, but I like that. I got to say that the kind listener, Jay Fro from Omaha would know he played rugby for years. He'd know all about that. Jay, tell us more about it. When you get a second, write us an email. Go ahead, Todd. I, I find rugby fascinating. Yeah. I just don't understand at all what I'm watching. And it's kind of like when we were talking about, um, the show that we just talked about normal people, they play some sport that kind of looks like rugby that also kind of looks like football that also kind of looks like baseball that I don't understand. Celtic football. Yeah. Yes. It's like a combination of basketball, football, rugby, squash, volleyball. I don't know. So a model of Texas instruments calculators is the T one eighty nine, very famous year. 1989. As we always do, we have to jump into what happened relevant in that year. Ted Bundy, the serial killer was executed in Florida in 1989. Leona Helmsley, the billionaire hotel operator who was famously awful to people is convicted on tax fraud. Uh, 
uh, fashion within the year 1989. You know, I'm looking through this and I think, okay, well there, you know, we started wearing swatches and things mm-hmm. like that were really popular, but the thing that it doesn't point out, but is so obvious, apparently women really like shoulder pads in their clothing in 1989. They all look like linebackers are huge. <laughs> The Sega Genesis was the hot toy of the year 1989. Did you have a Sega Genesis? I did. I did too. I, I didn't have it in 89. That's for damn sure. I'm sure it. I'm sure I got it closer ni- late 90. Um, yeah. I didn't have the funds immediately available, but I did have. I did have one eventually. I got whenever I was in uh, to show that film school was not too far away from this point about three to four years later one of the guys that i went to school with had one and he gave it to me because Ooh. he needed to get rid of it and i think a girlfriend had given it to him he was just trying to get rid of it he'd come over and play in my apartment um so that's how i got mine movies of 1989 let's see i'm gonna start i'm gonna end with the big bang here so the movies my wife would love and love me for mentioning this when harry met sally came out which if you want to see a better version, it's called Woody Allen's Annie Hall. (laughs) Um, Dead Poet Society, Driving Miss Daisy wins the best picture that year. Back to the Future Part 2, Lethal Weapon Part 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But the big film of that year, Tim Burton's little bitty comic book adaptation, Batman. Popular musicians of the era, Duran Duran, Prince, Phil Collins, The Bengals, R.E.M., Depeche Mode, but the new one I know that Jeff loves, New Kids on the Block. Yes. I had all I their posters. Did you really? No. <laughs> I, I figured you did. I figured you probably danced in bed. Only in bed. You know what's weird is that I, I, I really do think there's something relevant to this that probably needs to be discussed at some point. But I, I think every kid looks for entertainment to an an era that is based within when their parents grew up. You know, um, when we grew up, I I liked happy days and, you know, that was more my parents era. And somehow you're looking back. I like father knows best. That was my kid watches that 70s show, Mm -hmm. different things like that. And sure enough, even her music, she's like, what did you think a new kids on the block is like that? I wanted to kill myself every time they came on. You know, it's weird how those things come back if you have a kid. And I'm sure you with the boys around, I'm sure you see that to some extent, right? Did they listen to anything from eras past? um, Yeah, every once in a while. uh, Max, not so much because he's driving and doing his own thing. But every once in a while, um, I have Luke in the truck and he's kind of a captive audience and I'll throw on. um, I think I who wrote um, uh, Our House? Not uh, our house uh, is a very very fine house. That's the, our house in the middle, middle of, of the street. street. Our house. Who was that? I can actually. Oh damn you, Jeff! I know we gotta we gotta look it up now. Um, I, I it's like I can see them. Madness. Oh, madness. Yeah, there it is. I was just about to say that. So I, I had that on one day, and and Luke was like, "I really like this song," uh, you know. After almost swerving off the road and, and hitting a water <laughs> buffalo, you know, I was I was like, really? So I'll play him some stuff and kind of ask him. Um, but you know, there are things like you know, we'll be in the car and uh, Billy Idol's "Money Money" will come on, and I'll tell him, not right now, but at some point in your life, this is going to become a pretty big song because uh-huh. it's kind of just you know, it's multi generational. Uh, but but to get back to what you were kind of saying, uh, we were going to watch a movie uh, this past week, and 
we talked about a few different possibilities and and max who who's a man of very few words said what about the godfather and so we said okay let's watch the godfather and then they found out it was three hours long mm-hmm. <laughs> um so young for that maybe yeah yeah uh yeah luke was pretty pretty uh, horrified by the horse's head in the bed but uh spoiler alert um, well, I, I don't mean from content. I meant from that yeah. length. I'm sorry. Please go ahead and tell you. No, but no, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. But he had a lot of questions, and you know, it was it was it was good. I'm I, you know, I'm kind of like you. I'm not because I mean there isn't that bad of stuff. Um, but I'm kind of like you. I'm like, you know, if they have an interest and they want to see it, let's do it. So we we kind of did it in like a two part series. They were really fully engaged all up until the point he went to Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> then it was like, well, this is just kind of boring. So uh, I, I don't know if they finished it out, but um, but anyway, yes, to, to kind of get back to your point, you know, I'm, that wasn't necessarily my time, but uh, they, their curiosity is there. And rather than force it upon them or, or anything like that, I kind of wait for those little golden moments where they ask about it. Because I, I have Luke, and this is leading into after we get done with 89, to your judgment, uh, or Todd's take on is Luke is ready to see Jaws. He is super, super pumped. I kind of worked him past a little bit. I shouldn't say worked him. I have gotten him psychologically past some of his fears in the fact that Jaws takes place in an ocean. We don't have oceans here. His chances of being attacked by a shark are very, very small here in Omaha. So. I, th- I think <laughs> so. I've told him. Well, you got Sharknado. I didn't want to rule it out. Oh, that because <laughs> he'd be the first person to go. I told you so. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of fun. And did I listen to New Kids on the Block? Sure, I did. I've always been, and I, I know this pop's going to hear this, and you know, because I used to. I start. He raised me on Bob Dylan. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Talking Heads, Kraftwerk, a, a, quite a bit of stuff. And so I'm sure it was the old record falling off or the needle falling off the record when I got interested in Michael Jackson and, and some of the other pop, very, very pop, popish kind of music. I'm sure that wasn't his, his best day, but there, you know, New Kids on the Block had a few songs, you know, I'm, I'm not... There's nothing wrong with pop music. There's nothing wrong with things that we want to listen to that just encapsulate five minutes of our lives to the perfect point that it's just sugar candy. Yeah. And I, I am often, as, as a musician, I am often just floored by the people that can write perfect pop nuggets. You know, mm-hmm. you hear a song and you're like, damn, that is that's just perfect. Yeah. I think of Kelly Clarkson's, um, and of course now, uh, Since You've Been Gone, right? since yeah. I'm trying to think of the name. That is a perfect pop song. Everything about it works beautifully. And then <laughs> you want to just scream with that. Um, I don't fault New Kids on the Block. The only thing I ever faulted was I I don't like we're a band. No, you're not. You're a group of really pretty people that they put together. You're not a band. You're a performing group. You know, that was just, it's the same as, you know, if we want to get Todd down the path of going on, don't ever tell me a DJ is a musician. No, they aren't. They're an entertainer and they're talented, but they're not musicians. I digress. But, you know, going back to all this, I, 
I, I love exposing my daughter to things of the era that I grew up from. And she may be a little bit different from other kids in that she is, she's very interested in that. I mean, her, her, her tastes tend to gravitate towards things like that. She'll come in and say, she took a course this year that was, um, about it was an English course, but the the teacher had a degree in film, so that she made them watch a lot of things and and talk about it. Mm. And one of them was One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which oh. you know, the film of when I grew up. It's a great topic. She really she looks and she's like, wow. And and the seventies really were a great golden era. They're considered to be one of the golden eras of filmmaking because you finally had the movie system turn towards film schools and take the the likes of Francis Ford Coppola and Spielberg's and all these people. And they, they came out and they had no experience, but they understood films because they'd grew up, grown up on them. Yeah. So leading into that, this week was huge for me because one of the films that greatly influenced me as a child and then made me want to study filmmaking was 1975's Jaws by Steven Spielberg. At that time, he was only uh, directing his second feature. He'd had Sugarland Express. He'd also directed a lot of TV, including the TV film Duel, which in its own way... Oh, Just slowly bring in the projector and pulling it back out. There we go. Go ahead. I, I, I tried to segue nicely, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, crap, I didn't let him bring out the projector. Um, but you know, Duel in its own way was kind of like Jaws. It's one man running from something. He's driving a car and a big semi chases him just mindlessly. And it's what allowed the Hollywood system to say, hey, this kid's actually pretty good. So on a big property like Jaws, and it was a big property because mm-hmm. it was a huge novel by Peter Benchley that had shocked people that it was so popular when it came out and they gave it to a kid who had no experience. Everybody thought, what are they doing? Well, um, without getting in too much to it, cause I could talk all day about jaws. Um, it famously had a lot of problems. It's the shooting on open water is torture. And especially when you have a mechanical shark that no one bothered to test in ocean waters, they only tested them in stationary waters. The famously the throughout the production, it was the shark is not working and they had to find other ways. So as a nugget, if you ever watched this and if you've not watched it, they they always ha- there are these yellow barrels that they attach to the shark. The barrels are always part of the script, but Spielberg eventually said, "Oh, hang on, the shark won't work if I use the barrels to pop up out of the water and to chase the shark is alive." Mm-hmm. And so that's that that's the genius of this man when he realizes all I have to have is this, and it actually becomes more powerful when we finally see the twenty five foot shark and we're like, "Oh my god!" Well, the reason you finally seeing it is because it didn't work. Right. So. Seeing it is the point here because this is not only a 4K release of this film. This film has also been restored. Restoring meaning that they take the original negative and film does degrade over time. This is shot in 35 millimeter film. It degrades over time. So they actually take the film and go through frame by frame and fix any blemishes, pops, cuts, etc. Hmm. They take the original negative and they literally go in with a computer and color correct it, paint it, fix it. This transfer of this film is at times stunning. Wow! I have seen this film. The the only film I've seen more than this in my life is star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, Jaws is close behind it because I, as a kid growing up, you know, these two films are only two years apart. I would, once they came out on VHS, I would just alternate between the two. I love them. I can anticipate the cuts. I know it just, and it's just because you see it enough, you know it. There were times where I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen that shot before. And it was Mm. because it was so clear. Now, here's what's weird. There are a couple of places in it, though, that I'm like, 
did they did they really shoot on bad film stock or something? Because even in this 4K restored transfer, there are places, a couple of places that are oddly grainy. Mm. And there are shots where, you know, uh, the first time that Richard drives his character attaches the barrel for Quint to shoot at the shark, there's a shot of him doing it. And it's in, it, it's in daylight. It should be perfectly exposed. It's awful. And I'm mm. like, oh, I, I, I'm curious. I'd love to know why that doesn't look better. Right. But if, if you are a fan of this film, you're going to want to own this version of this film. I, I had a friend who asked me, so did they reshoot it in, in 4K? I was like, that's not what this means. So <laughs> 4K meaning the, the amount of data that can be contained within a file. What you're going to see are uh, colors that are beyond rich. That's where you start to see that the blacks are really black. There are shots where they're going by a sky and it's so alarmingly blue that again, I felt like I was watching a new film. There's a, a famous moment where they catch a shark. That's not the shark. And it's, it's literally a, a dead shark hanging in the Harbor and its skin is glistening. And I've never seen the glistening before. And it's just because 4k has that ability to have that extra bit of data in there to where the color translates. It's beautiful. It is stunningly beautiful. Go get it. I'll take a stab at this real quick uh, for the kind listener. I mean, Todd Todd has much more uh, experience with film and all of the things that are related to that, but I'll I'll do my best to try and explain it. Uh, So basically what they did was they took Jaws, and then they have a scene where Han Solo steps on Jabba the Hutt's tail, and that's what 4K is. That's... (laughs) Wow. Uh, You know... You, you break my heart in a couple ways, Jeff. Um, I, I break it, but then I mend it because it makes you laugh. Yeah. It does make me laugh. That's why I love you. That's why I keep you around. <laughs> um, yeah. And what we were talking about the pre production, one thing that, that I just, you know, and, and maybe it sells its point, right? Maybe I need to just chill out and I'm trying hard. I've got my, my Todd side of my brain saying, just calm down. But I saw an adver- advertisement for the 4K Jaws. And what they did was they basically had on a web page, you know, some smaller versions of some shots in the movie. And they had the non 4K, which looked like you were looking at something like the brightness value of negative four. And then they had the 4K version, which looked like just a regular film and they had this wipe effect showing like see see how crappy it is before and now oh it's great and i'm like there's no way all of those scenes i was looking at were that dark otherwise the movie would be unwatchable um however you you have some some thoughts on that i just wish they just would say it's in 4k your browser isn't 4k so therefore we can't really show you the beauty of it why come up with some kind of false technology to try and sell it so I, I think that that is evidence of a advertising group who said, Hey, we need something that shows people what's going on. Oh, there's a documentary on here about the restoration of the film. Just take that cool wipe. When you show me how bad the negative was before oh. I repaired it. And let's say that's 4k. Okay. So that's what there, there's a documentary that, and it's, uh, when you get to the menu, the cycling image that you see of it eventually comes that wipe. And so I had, I had a friend oh. the other night with his family to watch it and he's like, wow, what, what's that? And I was like, oh, the, you know, that's restoration. 
and and the restoration is stunning i mean that is a huge part of this the, is going back to the original negatives and the notes and doing all the things to make it look the way it did when it was in a, the first time right. ever shown to an audience don't take that and tell people that's what 4k is because <laughs> for us film nerd technology yeah. nerd people you're driving us nuts because just like what jeff said i was like that's yeah, no huh? that's not what this is Real quick, as before we close Todd's take on uh, this week out, you mentioned that the uh, movie's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read that book? I read it a long time ago. I'll, and how does the film treat ago. the book? Does it does it do well? It's better. It is one of those that you can literally say is better than the book. Okay, good. Eventually, I think this was his first novel, second novel, uh, narrative novel. I think he'd written things before. Um, he he allows a lot of stuff to come into it that doesn't need to be there. It, there's a whole mafia subplot. Mm. There is a subplot where uh, Brody's wife has an affair with the Hooper character, the Richard Dreyfuss character. There's all kinds of stuff like that. And Spielberg basically came in and said, hang on, this is a movie about a shark that terrorizes a small yeah. island and they go and catch it. Um, you know, this is Spielberg understanding that, look, the first half of this movie is a monster movie. And if you watch the making of stuff, he'll tell you the second half is a pirate movie while they're chasing down the shark. And I told my friend that when he watched it, Oh my God, you're so right. Well, the book is just sloppy as well as the ending of the book is, you know, it's satisfying because they get the shark, but the way they get it is like, Oh, really? Hmm. And eventually on the documentary, I'll even say, I told Spielberg, you're, you're doing something unrealistic by the way that the shark has gotten in the end. I won't say it in case, you know, after right. 45 years, if you've not seen this film, <laughs> but Spielberg famously said, if I have them believing that these guys are battling a shark, what I'm going to do at the end, I will have them even more so. Right. So it's better. It's, it, a, it's an improvement over a rather sloppy book. And I don't care. I mean, it's 45 years later. What happens, folks, is Han Solo steps on the tail of the shark and kills Yes. Him. And so the In last the thing I'm say, just to take Jeff away from being a jackass, <laughs> is if you love this movie and you like to read things, I'm also giving you all a recommendation. There is a wonderful book called The Jaws Log by Carl Gottlieb, who is the screenwriter of this film. And it is considered to be one of the greatest books about the making of a movie. Go read that. Devour that book. It is perfect. All right, we'll uh, we'll shut down the projector. We'll uh, we'll put Jeff Jackassery in the closet. Uh, thank you, Todd, for your take on Jaws 4K released. I think you can pick it up in any store um, locally, or you can always check Amazon. Uh, what does that run? Or did you get the gold platinum edition that comes with a part of the no? No, I just got the regular at probably around twenty five bucks, yeah. and, and you see, you can pick it up anywhere. I couldn't find it at Target. Screw Target. Oh. This episode brought to you by Target. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Well, that's cool. Twenty five bucks isn't bad. I remember when the Blu Ray and the four K first was coming out. It was they were pretty expensive. That's good. All right, Jeff's judgment on is going to be a short one this week. I just uh, kind of want to follow up. Um, I don't know how many of the kind listeners remember when Ozark, uh, which stars uh, Jason Bateman, who I think uh, looks a lot like Todd at times. Uh, and a, and a, a cast of others. You can check it out on IMDb if you need to find out more. First came out uh, season one has an initial pop point, a pop plot point that I couldn't get past. 
And so I kind of just shut down and didn't watch the rest of it. And I've had uh, Tree and several other kind listeners, including uh, Todd, tell me, you need to watch it. You need to check it out. So um, I've been watching that for the last couple of weeks. And I'm back to say that if you can allow yourself to forego some major, major technical, geeky, nerd type technology stuff that they made up that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and just let that go uh, and go on for the ride. We just finished season three last night, and um, it's it's good. It's good. It's not Breaking Bad good. It's not Sopranos good, but it's good. Um, I'm surprised to see that a number of the episodes was uh, or were directed by Jason Bateman. And if you just kind of want to, I don't want to say whimsical, but just you know, just kind of just drama after drama after after. Uh, uh, storyline that just continues to try and and interweave and you know eat upon itself if you will um it's worth checking out um i do want to mention at the same time <clears throat> that uh, there's an actress in there um who um uh, has just done an incredible job and i want to give her some props uh, because I would like to see her get a Golden Globe or some kind of recognition for the character she plays. The actress's name is Julia Garner. Uh, she plays kind of a, and I'm just going to use this as a uh, descriptive, kind of a white trash trailer type person character uh, named Ruth uh, Langmore, who kind of falls into this tangled web of characters and, and events and every single time she's on the screen, her character, who is very sassy, very independent, very strong, brings such great, um, I almost said lyrics, lines, um, and attitude, and you know, quick remarks. Uh, that that just every time her character's on the screen, you can't wait to see what she's going to say or what she's going to do. Uh, so if you um, with everything going on, if you are starting to get a little uh, uh, dry as far as content and, and things to watch and you haven't taken the time to watch Ozarks, again, there are a few plot points that are um, hard to overlook, but if you just let it go and just go along for the ride, uh, it's definitely worth some time and, and I'm happy that we got back into it and watched it. That's Ozark available on Netflix. I'll, I'll uh, make you very happy and remind you that she won the Emmy for supporting actress last year for this role. She did. Okay, good, good. That'll be She's a very good actress. Just funny as can be. And I mean, to a lot of people, you know, if you're, if you're playing a character that maybe doesn't have a real high education that comes from the socioeconomic background that she does, it'd be real easy just to fall into a caricature of what other people see and or perceive those people to be. Um, she takes it a, f a whole nother level, a whole different step in a direction that shows you and, 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 you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily play down, shows you that there's much more depth, you know, just like in real life with, with all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. I'm glad she won an Emmy. Uh, can she get a golden globe? Was that was in the wrong one? Is she going to get a Tony? What about an EGOT? <laughs> Jeff knows his award shows. You are on fire today. <laughs> um, Ozark, check it out. Netflix. Any any thoughts? Anything you want to add? I don't want to cut you off. Uh, number one, I get told so often, hey, did anyone ever tell you you look like Jason Bateman? Yes. yes. 
Um, I also get the Thomas Everett Scott, the guy that played the drums in uh, that thing you do. Apparently, look like that dude too. Besides that, this show doesn't. Just like you, there are a lot of places where I watch it. I'm like. God, come on <laughs> it's a lot of silly left turns just it almost seems like to have a left turn right but i find bateman and laura lenny incredibly compelling i like them a lot yeah um this young lady you mentioned julie garner i like her a lot i think what she brings to it you, know, you can you can create a character who is like you said white trash and sassy and you can even write that character to be white trash and sassy, but we begin to see why she's that way. Right. But it takes an, a really, really good actor to take and say, okay, I have to embody these at different times. At times I have to be the vulnerable person who's built that tough exterior. And sometimes I have to use that tough exterior to protect her. Yeah. And she knows when and how to just bring in the right amounts in fact, as I say that she may be the reason I, I end up watching season three. Yeah. Well, her character does become more prominent and okay. uh, it, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, and if I can use this as proof why IMDb is stupid that they allow people to rate films, Ozark is rated with 8.4 stars. Jaws considered to be one of the classics of the 70s. AFI Top 100 only has eight. <laughs> That's my fault. Is it? Yeah, I'm just going through making up accounts. No. <laughs> Um, all right, so that does it for Jeff's Judgment On. We're going to move into the green room and then quickly into center stage. Just a couple things in the green room, a couple headlines to go over real quick. One thing is, and I'm sure if you've turned on any type of social media or anything where you have to watch an ad, everybody's aware that this week um, is the release of Judd Apatow's uh, latest film, The King of Staten Island. It comes out on Friday and um, stars Pete Davidson, who uh, is a young actor, uh, who at a very young age lost his dad in uh, 9-11. And this film, as he has been quite candid about, does deal with a lot of what he was dealing with emotionally uh, and has been for many years uh, regarding losing his father and just kind of dealing with it. Um, he's also been on Saturday Night Live for a number of seasons, and the ongoing joke is he doesn't understand why he's still on on. Um, on the um, Saturday Night Live cast, but I have a I'm interested in this. I think Jed Apatow is is really you know starting to, if not already, create a pretty pretty big little notch, pretty big little notch, a pretty big space for him in Hollywood when it comes to film and and telling stories. Um, and this is going to be like I said, released on on Friday. You can get it on Prime Video, Apple TV, Xfinity. Um, you know, Google Play will have it. Um, I encourage everybody, if you've got some time and want to watch the story, and, and don't know much more than that. I know Bill Burr's in it. Alyssa Milano's in it. Um, just to, just to your kind of, you know, very talented cast that's going to come in and tell this story uh, of this young man. Uh, and, and in the movie, um, Pete Davidson's character loses his dad in a fire as a, as a fireman. Um, which, uh, it, it's non nine 11 related, but follows kind of what happened to his dad. His dad was a firefighter as well. Uh, I'm just kind of, I'm excited about seeing something funny and something touching. And then, you know, just kind of glad to see some, some content being released since we've been in a wee bit of a drought here. The King of Staten Island. What are your thoughts, Todd? Well, I'm, I'm curious is pretty big little notch, the sequel to big little lies. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Uh, Apatow, I think, I think he's great. I, I think that he, like so many filmmakers, kind of got caught in a rut after the success of 40 year old virgin where it almost felt like he had to regurgitate those things. Yeah. I think he's incredibly talented. Um, I'm glad to see him do something like this. This feels like a maturation of what, you know, a 40 year old virgin grown man who can't grow up, you know, that kind of approach. This is somebody that in a way is stunted by something and can't move beyond. So it's the same kind of themes. I, I'm glad to see him do this and I'm very excited to watch it, even though I don't really care for Pete Davidson. Um, I, I think maybe I'm hoping my opinion changes of him this week. And the only reason is I occasionally don't like people that I feel like they are like, huh, do you see how funny I am? And that's the way I always felt like he was on Saturday Night Live. It was almost like, Hey, yeah, I'm being funny. I don't like that. I'm hoping that I'm changed by this and, and I am looking forward to watching it. You know, I, I have to agree as well, just on, on some of the stuff. And, and there's other comedians that are, that are out there that kind of do that thing where they, uh, beat the microphone against their leg or something after they tell a joke. And it, it to me, it's it's kind of distracting and pulls me out of it. So I, I see what you're saying there and agree. Uh, and, and I'm interested, too. I'm just, again, I'm excited that there's a new movie coming out and will be available and we can we can watch it. Because the, you know, the there's still a lot of questions around Tenet, which is going to come out, which is uh, Chris Nolan's new movie. And whether that's going to be in theaters or not, and of course that's a different. We can have a different discussion on that, and when you know we'll go back and see a movie in the theater. But uh, just glad to see a movie being released. And kind of segue from there. I just I wanted to touch briefly on this because I've had it in the list here for a couple of days. But uh, looks like Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, got a movie coming out called Killers of the of the Flower Moon. Uh, looks like it was a Paramount deal to begin with. It does look like his uh, buddy Martin Scorsese, which I have a question about, for you about that real quick. Uh, moved from Paramount to Apple because the budget went from $180 million to $200 million. So I've got two questions now. I've already lied to you. I don't have one. I have two. Number one, are, are we getting tired of DiCaprio Scorsese? I mean, it... it uh, to me, just gut reaction is like, okay, so they're teaming up again. Is the relationship just that strong? I mean, what have you have you do you know of another another actor that has been so closely associated to the same director over and over again? I mean, wh what's happening there? I think that that's incredibly common. I think you go back to Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> and Jimmy Stewart. Um, I think you can go throughout time and find uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Steven Spielberg for a number of years people get comfortable. They begin to find uh, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. Uh, you, you just find these things where they work together and you, it almost becomes the on-screen persona of that director. So I think this is pretty common. Um, I like DiCaprio. I love Scorsese. I, you know, I, I, I'm not plus or minus by this either way, but you know, I, I to your question, I think it's pretty common. And I, and I think you can probably look across even you, God, I'm just sitting here running through it. Sure. Sir Ronan. And, um, why can't I think of her name who just directed little women? Oh my God. I feel awful because she is just amazing. Um, they've worked together a couple of times and I think that they'll probably work together again. So, uh, Greta, I, you know, this is Todd <laughs> searching through and going Greta, Greta, what's her last name? Come on. IMDB. Don't fail me. Greta Gerwig. Um, 
I, I, I think this is no different than a musician working with the same producer over mm. and over. So That's, pretty common. That makes that, that paints it better for me. Um, I don't know why I have that gut reaction. You know, I'm, I'm again, not only just still learning film and everything, but I, I that ex- explanation helps me. Another interesting part of it was uh, originally Paramount was involved. Um, you know, you get somebody like Scorsese and Paramount's like, look, we really want you to make this movie for $150 million. Now for, for somebody like Scorsese and somebody like Paramount who are both, you know, mega, I don't understand why, you know, 20 more million dollars or whatever is going to be such a deal, uh, you know, minus the current economic situation, everything going on. But anyway, what, what seems to happen was under the 150 to 180, $180 million budget, uh, Paramount started making a bunch of changes to DiCaprio's character, which caused some, you know, some, some tension. And that's what kind of moved it to Apple producing it and agreeing to the $200 million budget. Now, question is two part. One, how big is a $200 million budget these days in the relevance of film? And two, um, do you see this situation where you're changing production houses becoming more common? I mean, Obviously, Apple has lots of money, and and they want to make the film, and they want to keep the actors and everybody happy. So they just said, you know what, we'll front you, we got you. Uh, first off, two hundred million, pretty sizable budget, especially okay. for something like this. That's that's not small, right? In fact, it kind of surprises me that it's that big. Um, seems a little indulgent that it's that big, but I also don't really, I've not really researched with the stories about why they would need it. Um, production houses. Yeah, that's that. That is what it is. That's that's people don't like this. They don't want to do this. They, you know, it's it's egos. It's all kinds of things like that. So, you know, I'm not just trying to push back on you know your question about a director with the same actor or these kind of things. Ultimately, when you start getting people like DiCaprio and Scorsese involved in the same thing, what you're going to have are budgets that increase and budgets that, in my opinion, grow out of control a bit. So. It's not that surprising. Thank you. Sorry, I had to shut the door door to the studio there. We had some noise coming in. Okay, well, we'll check it out. And again, I don't know a whole lot about it. We'll follow up and we'll keep an eye on uh, that movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese working together. Uh, and uh, we'll keep you up to date here on The Other Kind Radio. All right, let's move on to center stage and get this going. Uh, we can get through this, I think, fairly quickly. But Fox had a really good... Uh, article the other day, and I want to kind of go through with you. And it basically is a pretty, it's on Vox.com, a very good uh, comparison of all the streaming services right now. Uh, it was written by a number of Vox writers. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to review some of these with you and kind of talk and see uh, where where we, we fall, you and I, as when it comes to this. The first one they reviewed is Amazon Prime Video. Um, basically, Amazon Prime Video comes with your Amazon Prime membership, which I think currently is running around $120 a year. Um, they have quite a bit of original programming. Um, they bring us things like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, Fleabag, which uh, I originally didn't like, and you had me watch again, and I've become a huge fan. Uh, Catastrophe was another good one. Um 
Also, uh, watching season two of Homecoming, which is available on Amazon Prime, Mozart in the Jungle, Sneaky Pete, Upload, which I wasn't that impressed with uh, as far as that. So they have a lot of content. And if I guess if you look at it, what it costs monthly, if it's included in your membership, the, the price seems to be pretty fair. Is this something you've got in, in loaded on your your streaming devices? I do, and I would probably say it's amongst the top. Um, what I like about Amazon is not only the original content, but you know when you buy a movie through Amazon, uh, then your your purchases end up there and available. You yeah. can also get apps, you know, things that tie together like Movies Anywhere, which sort of look and say, oh, you've bought all these movies from these different places and put them there. But Movies Anywhere has issues because they don't have a license with Paramount. So your Paramount purchase film may not show up in that library. That uh, That is another discussion for another time. You know, that right. this idea of digital media and how we need to bring it all together so it's just easy to go. I want to watch it. Um, I don't care where you get it from. App, just give it to me. But Amazon, what they do very nicely is to do their best to bring together what you've purchased or what they provide. I would I would venture that their app is not the best app in the world when you no. actually go through it. It's a little frustrating. Yeah. But their content's pretty good. <clears throat> I would agree with you. And I just says, I realized here in the article, if you want to just pick up uh, Amazon uh, Prime by itself and not have uh, Amazon Prime membership, it's $8.99 a month, which is actually pretty reasonable compared to some of yeah. the other streaming services. Uh, I agree with you. This is this is up there. This is uh, near the top top five, top three. Somebody came to me and said, "I want to start watching stuff on a streaming service." Um, the next is Apple TV Plus. Now, I have not really played with this that much. I, I, do you have an Apple TV there in your? No, okay. Um, so we'll just uh, rely on the article here. Um, there isn't a big backlog. Fraggle Rock and a few other things are available. Um, there's some good comedies, uh, the, the, you know, it's best for, as they're saying the article, the Apple faithful, uh, if you're used to Apple's content, you've Apple, Apple TV, uh, device, um, it seems to work pretty, pretty smoothly with that. Uh, it is four ninety nine a month, uh, or four ninety nine um, uh, 49 uh, per year. Now I'm not saying that you can actually get like uh, local television or anything. So it looks like they just have a catalog of stuff that you can watch. Uh, this one I think you have is, do you have the CBS All Access? I do. Okay. Um, you know, it's saying it has some some decent stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on the CBS uh, All Access? I hate it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, look, I, they, they have a couple of things I want to watch. They... I wanted to see Star Trek Discovery because I like the creator of it, Brian Fuller, even though he has been removed from that show because apparently he's difficult to deal with and it shows when he's gone. Um, I, what I don't like about it is there's not enough content. I mean, yes, they've got that. They've got a few other things I want to see. It will be one of those that I will consume their content and turn off when I'm done. Right. It doesn't have the sustainability that we see with other things like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, et cetera. And you make a good point there that I want to bring up a, a lot of great things about these streaming services that I try and remind friends and family that are interested in trying them is that in fact, if you do get the month to month, that there is no contract. So get HBO max, watch the Sopranos, binge watch it, for a month and then you can cut it off you don't have to keep it going so i think a lot of people because they're used to their cable bill and some of the other uh services that have been out there there is no commitment you can have it for a month and cut it off 
uh, which is great because you can get the content you want. Uh, just to follow up with CBS, uh, it is available, uh, two versions. One is with ads, and that's $5.99. If you don't want ads, it's $9.99 per month. I don't have it, and I kind of agree with you. Next up is Disney+. Plus. I got this free for something I did with Apple. I think I either bought a product or something like that. I will have to say uh, the most, uh, the biggest thing is uh, The Mandalorian, which I immediately watched week to week and was very excited to see. Uh, I, I also thought maybe, you know, Luke would be interested in watching some programs on Disney Plus. For the most part, here we go. For the most part, this is the least used streaming <laughs> uh, app we have in the household. Um, just just no real interest in anything that's on there uh because it's free is one of the reasons why i still have it uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when season two of the mandalorian comes out whether i'll pick it up or not just to get that you- i i actually i have it and i wouldn't say it's the least used i don't use it a ton but i do like it i think that it has an incredibly rich catalog because so many of the Disney films and properties are available there. Right. Um, my kid who grew up loving Hannah Montana can go jump in and watch a show and come back and go, Hey, was it always this bad? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was always that bad. Um, but there are a lot of things like that. You also look at that. Disney has wisely turned to Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, and they're going to release a filmed version of this. The actual original cast is going to come in July. So you can actually see the, the incredible. And I, I saw it and it is amazing Hamilton. So it's like one of those services to me that I may not watch it a ton, but the content there is impeccable. And I also should mention that um, just because I've seen them, I'm I'm just not a big person to go back and revisit, but a lot of the, um, see, so Disney owns, which is it Marvel or DC? Marvel. So they, uh, the Marvel catalog is available too. So if you're huge into Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, that kind of stuff, all those films are, and that might be no, that might be enough just for a fan of that to be able to go and see that. Um, but as as Todd mentioned earlier, uh, you have access to all this content. But when you cancel, then you you don't. So it's not like buying the movie where you generally will have it. Cost for that is six ninety nine per month or sixty nine nine per year. Uh, next up is HBO, which uh, is now known as HBO Max, which replaced HBO Now. Um, I have had this service uh, for quite some time, and I'm having to say I was very pleasantly surprised when they did change the, the product to HBO Max. Uh, not only do you get all of HBO stuff, Sopranos, The Wire, all those great shows that are out there, but they've added uh, cartoons. So one morning recently, we sat and watched Bugs Bunny cartoons you know, in the morning, which doesn't happen anymore because cartoons are off of network television. Uh, it also has friends and a number of things you can dive into. Um, I think HBO did a good, good job with, uh, with this. And for 1499 per month, um, to me, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, worth the cost. Do you have HBO max at all? I do. And I'm pleasantly surprised by a lot of it. You know, where we're, you also talked about Disney owning Marvel. Warner Brothers owns DC. 
And so you can start to get some of the DC universe because they have a streaming service that does DC properties. So you can get the DC films, you can get Batman, Justice League, et cetera, as well as some of the original programming, uh, Doom Patrol, which actually, you know, it got pretty good reviews and I started watching and I'll say I've only watched one episode, but I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'll, I'll try it. So there's some content there that I think is pretty, pretty good. What I don't like is if you are a subscriber to HBO through your direct TV package, like I am, you already get HBO Mm. go, I guess, which is a digital version of it. Now, what's cool is they are giving me HBO Max for free right now because I already pay for it. Don't make me have two apps. Right. Just don't do it. Integrate the content into my HBO. Just call it HBO. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the HBO Max was an attempt by Warner Brothers. Instead of calling it Warner Brothers, WB Max, they said, oh, HBO is more relevant to people's mm-hmm. idea of what streaming content should be. It has almost nothing to do literally with HBO. I just the marketing of it drives me insane. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Multiple apps, but there's a lot of content there. And again, uh, if you, you know, if you're paying for it already, then there's a chance you may have a trial of it or something you can see, but I do want to reiterate for the kind listener. Great. If you want to go in and binge watch, you know, um, Dr. Who or, or the Sopranos or anything. And then when you're done, you can cancel it. Very easy to do. Um, they make that part very, very simple. All right, next up, uh, we have two left. One of them, uh, and we'll hit the big dog here last. Hulu is the next one. Uh, Hulu, I thought's always been a pretty good um, value. They originally started out just basically showing you episodes of television. Um, their main thing was it was pretty inexpensive, but you would have to catch some ads during the episodes. The the killer for me with Hulu um, now and back then was those. if you choose the ad version, get ready to see the same ad over and over and over and over again very limited very true yeah so if, if you <laughs> maddeningly true if you want to watch the same geico commercial forty-seven thousand times get the uh the ad version uh they did and, come and, and if ahead. i can interject yeah. that when the difference between the ad version and the non-ad version price-wise is not that great and i know some people look i i know that we all especially in these times we have a lot of economic struggles that we're dealing with but man it became so apparent to me so quick that I was like, I got to turn this crap off. <laughs> right, right. Digging in those couch cushions, trying to find that extra change to uh, upgrade right. the service. Um, since Hulu, um, you know, has continued to grow since their inception and, and, and kind of get away from, from just having television episodes on, uh, they've uh, got their hugely famous hands made tale that they started doing normal people, uh, which we talked about last week. Um, they've got, uh, let's see. Well, mainly here they're they're listing their television shows, but they also have some other, um, you know, series that they've come up with that are that are pretty pretty popular and, and available on there too. So I give their content. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm going to get my services mixed up here, but I def- definitely think. Can you think of any other ones that that Hulu's had that is have uh, series that had, are good? They had Castle Rock, the Stephen King. Oh, there you thing go. That's Sort of based within his universe of tangential characters that are pulled in. It, it was pretty interesting, and they're going to have a second season. They do a good job. They, if you ask me, if I look at it compared to the Big Dog, which I think is going to be the next one we talk about. Yeah. Do they? 
come neck and neck with with Netflix? No, Netflix owns this world as of right now. But Hulu's doing a pretty good job to, uh, to begin to understand who they are and what they need to be. Uh, real quick here, just uh, one that I want to mention that is a Hulu original is Little Fires Everywhere. Um, this has, uh, I'm going to try and bring it up here without actually uh, getting in and oh, say, so why can't they just have... So it's got <laughs> Carrie Washington. Yes, thank you. And I, Reese Witherspoon. I'm on the website right now, and it's amazing that you can't find that information. You have to go to IMDb. <laughs> um, and it's a pretty interesting suburban lifestyle, well to do family, runs into not so well to do family. Um, we've watched it, and it's pretty good. So their content is growing. And so just like Todd said, I mean, there's no comparison to our next uh, um, streaming services that we're getting ready to talk here, but. I, I subscribe to Hulu and I enjoy it and I still feel that there's enough value uh, to continue that that subscription and look at it. All right, last but not least, we are going to the, the big dog, the one that everybody has been watching and, and I think really the front runner because if you think where this company started, it was simply, I want to watch a movie. I don't mind waiting. I'm going to set up a queue. When those movies are available, they're going to mail them to me, and then I, I mail them back to me. It doesn't cost anything for me to mail them back, and the subscription was pretty low. So how great was it to go out to your mailbox and see that you got that movie that you were waiting for? You throw it into a DVD player and watch your movie. Um, really credit Netflix, too, for really taking that extra step and, and taking the time to have technology and, and company leaders that looked at streaming. This is the face of modern day streaming technology. Todd and I come from an industry where back in the day we were we were encoding and streaming at 176 by 132 as far as uh, as far as resolution. You know, and uh, you know, 100K stream was was uh, or yeah, 100K stream was a huge thing. 80K stream was huge. And I still marvel at the fact that I'm watching these great, great quality um, movies streamed over the internet um, that I can watch whenever I want. Uh, just a few of their huge hits, Orange is the New Black, The Crown, Stranger Things, Ozark, Glow, Master of None, Russian Do uh, Doll, uh, Making a Murderer, Tiger King, um, Nailed It. I mean, their catalog goes on and on and on. So if yeah. you have just crawled out from underneath a rock, first of all, thank you for finding the podcast. Um, and you're looking for the quintessential streaming service and the one that is the, the particular service uh, that, that everyone's trying to be. Please, please, please give Netflix a try. Uh, their customer service has always been uh, up to par. I've really enjoyed uh, any time that I've had to ask them any questions. And for $8.99, a month, you just can't beat um, the content that comes with it. The other thing I want to add real quick before I get Todd's thoughts on it is they also were the, the first in the line of, okay, so we have, you know, millions of subscribers that are paying us this money. Let's invest it back in to our viewership and let's make some original movies and let's start the controversy of what film is whether it needs to be in a theater or seen on a television, what's worthy of some accolades and awards when it comes to working with great actors, directors, production teams that put, put together the films that we like to watch. I think that when you look back to Netflix being brave enough 
at the height of their business of shipping DVDs, Blu-rays to you to say, hey, we think the next phase is to actually just give the content directly into your home. Yeah. They were brave to the point that I had a friend, and I won't mention his name, who worked for Blockbuster. And Blockbuster was the king in the world at that time. And I said to him, I said, dude, I think Netflix is going to kill you. Oh, we we know right now. No one's ever going to watch that. It's never going to be high enough quality. And as you said, you know, I'm still in the streaming world. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you right now, we're about to knock the door down and start offering high def content. I mean, when, when, when my company streams the NFL, we offer 4k streams. Now they're different than what you're watching 4k. You know, there's compression across the board, no matter what we can have that discussion. Yeah. But I said at the time, I said, um, I think y'all are wrong. I think they're going to win. So let's look at what they did there. They changed their business model. I think that when they started going, by the way, we think the next phase is we're going to get Alfonso Cuaron to direct Roma and we're going to release it here. Then we're going to get Martin Scorsese to do this. Um, Hey, movie industry, they're doing exactly to you now what they did to Blockbuster just a few years ago. Netflix drives this. Netflix, the reason that they are not being knocked down, the same as that Blockbuster was short-sighted and said, that's not where this is going. Netflix continues to evolve and say, this is where we're going. And they lead that way. Netflix content across the board is outstanding. Their streaming at times is stunning. Their UHD content. There are some things out there that, oh my God, if you watch the UHD stuff, it is just beautiful. I talked about how gorgeous um, Jaws looked in 4K. Some of the UHD streaming stuff is just uh, stunning. El Camino was a great example. The thing mm. they made, there were, there were times when they were standing before water that it was like what you look for are the artifacting that go along and waves for a stream to generate waves and look sharp. You're asking a lot because that thing's going to be compressed. There was, there's no degradation in that signal. I, Netflix, they win. They just win. They're the one that you have to have. That's that's so well said, and I, I agree with you. Uh, if anybody's getting new to getting into it, Netflix is the way to go. And then, again, um, without kind of just repeating everything you said, the only thing I really want to add on, and I know I've said it a couple times on the podcast, but just remember, kind listener, the great thing about this and, and the reason why I think these services have been so successful is finally you, the viewer, the consumer, are in control of what you want to watch, when you want to watch it, and how long you want to pay for that service. Whereas the cable company for so long charged you for all these channels you didn't watch, now you can pick specifically the content programming that you want, keep it, and then drop it when you want. Because the challenge for these streaming services is to continue to give you content that will keep you subscribed. And for mega consumers like Todd and I, uh, because we try to do a lot of the watching for you and then give you recommendations, it sure makes our lives a lot easier, but it's definitely worth consuming all of that. I can't tell you how many times people have come and said, well, what are you watching now? You know, well, I'm watching this on Netflix or I'm watching this on Hulu or this just came out on Disney Plus. You've got to see The Mandalorian. Um, you know, it's just great to, to, to kind of be around this time when we have so much content and so many companies really working hard to deliver uh, good content uh, to us, the viewer. And if I can, I want to end this by offering two more services that are smaller services that some of you may not know about, but I think 
to me, I, I really enjoyed them. Now, one I'm about to turn off. I'm going to tell you I've enjoyed it, but it's reached the end of the content. That is Broadway HD. I've, I've said many times how much I love musicals. I love theater. Broadway HD has actually gone out, much like what I talked about with Hamilton. Mm-hmm. They they have actual film performances, and I, I think it's Lincoln Center that actually oversees this, where they shoot these and they get the original cast, so that they're preserving history of Broadway. You can watch a lot of the original Broadway cast perform on stage of musicals and plays, one person performances. It is if you love live performance, it's well worth it. I, I want to say it's only something like eight ninety nine a month. Now I have also reached the end of what I want to current, currently see, so I'm right. about to shut off. The one that I will never shut off, and Jeff usually gives me the, oh, you're flexing, <laughs> is the, the famous Criterion Collection has launched a Criterion channel. And for a film lover, and uh, this is not, uh, I don't want to sound snobby with this. When, sure, I, sure. when I talk about film lover, what I want to say is if, if you are the kind that you hear, oh, Spielberg was greatly, greatly influenced by uh, DeSica's films. Well, who the hell's DeSica? You're not going to find that on Netflix. Right. Uh, you've heard of Fellini, if you, Antonioni, you know, all these people that uh, you maybe heard of, you can go to the Criterion channel and it is now available on Xbox as an app. And oh my God, mm. I about peed myself when it was finally there and I could uninstall the crappy Roku from my system. But uh, a current example is Akira Kurosawa, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. They currently have a whole channel devoted to his films and they are the Criterion Collections. It's not just the film. And with the Criterion Collection, when you buy it, comes with historians breaking it down. You'll have numerous audio commentaries. You'll have people just talking about the costumes, just about the editing. It is literally a film class all mm. together you can sit and watch it the other day the I, I i actually have the graduate on disc from criterion collection in this I, I say this just to show you what's on there i don't know that's on the service right now but there was a scholar of film studies from usc and she specifically teaches a class only on the graduate and for, to listen to her break it down, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't see this before. And that's how you can get into this loving film to the point where it's, oh, I understand these levels. If you if you enjoy any of this kind of stuff, go look for the Criterion ch channel. Turn it on. Watch some of these films. Then watch that that extra content. You will just floored i now feel absolutely horrible for even giving you any crap for uh and saying it was it was fancy um i'm looking at the website right now it's available you can get this app on your iphone apple tv android android tv roku fire tv xbox as uh, todd mentioned in tizen which i don't know what that is but um you've talked me into it i'm going to try it out um i'd like to see some cool films and then and then be able to sound like i uh, or, or at least further my my film knowledge a bit on that. So that's the Criterion Channel two bonus bonus parts there for you uh, from Todd. As far as uh, you, the kind listener, having uh, some avenues for some new streaming content. Well, we've taken up an hour and fourteen minutes of your time. I know Todd is super busy, and I apologize for keeping him late. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to him to uh, for some last thoughts, and then we'll go ahead and get this sucker closed out. Todd. I want to say an echo kind of what Jeff talked about right now. I know a lot, there are a lot of hard times going on out there. Uh, during the height of Corona, I said this, and I'm going to echo it now as we have all these um, social issues that we're trying to work through. It's a lot easier to be kind than it is to be ugly. 
treat each other with kindness and understanding that maybe you may not understand what people are going through, but every once in a while, it's okay, okay to ask questions and try to be a better person. So kind listeners go out there, spread love. All right. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. This has been the 89th episode of The Other Kind Radio, brought to you by Jeff and Todd. Pop culture is the topic, and we do our best each week to keep the kind listener informed about what's going on. The way to get in contact with us is easy. You can uh, get us uh, on email. Info at theotherkindradio.com. Info, I-N-F-O, at theotherkindradio.com. We do have our phone number, which I'll make sure I post in the description, 214-843-1149. We'll be back next week with some more pulp pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp culture. Good Lord. I'm sure we would have seen the king of Staten Island by then. That'll probably be on the center show. Until then, as Todd said, be kind to others. And remember, we are... The other kind of radio. The other kind of radio. Radio. The other kind of radio.